They are the victims of a dishonest, unscrupulous Federal Reserve Board and the Federal Reserve Banks. Their children are the new slaves of the auction block and the revival here of the institution of human slavery. Boom. Kiss. Keep it simple, stupid. Two testicles, big tank in the fucking house, and the one to two is the best codes in the motherfucking planet. And I am your jumbo, jumbo, your humble host. Big... Hey, jumbo, <laughs> mega mind head. We got that right. Oh man, Trebles Garcia, welcome to Paranormal Radio Podcast, ladies and gentlemen. Big tank, what is up? Salute, salute, big dog. How you doing? I'm all right, We're dog. Shaking, just... big. We're shaking. What you up to, big dog? How was your weekend, big dog? The weekend was strong. I started the weekend off on a Friday morning recording this episode with Dr. Laura Sanger, and then I jumped on the fucking mic to do the Monday drop, and then we were a busy-ass weekend, dog. So it was uh, for sure very, very uh, powerful, I want to say. Yeah? Well, how was yours? Hey, it rained. Didn't really do much. Yeah, I love hopped the rain. On, hopped on Cod. Yeah, but you don't do shit. I mean, oh, yeah. Whoa, you whoa. and I joined up on Call of Duty 2. We killed. What do you mean I don't do shit? What do you. Wait. Oh, hell. Oh. You don't do shit when you're in the rain. What the fuck do you do? Cuddle? Smoke? You fucking lying. You fucking lying. Now, now I know you fucking lying. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? You're actually right. In the rain, you can't really do much. Well, you and I linked up on, on Call of Duty, and now we're linking up for Paranormal Radio. Hey, fool, we smacked some ass, oh, big dog. We were, dog. We're Taquito Forte hey, and King fool. Taco Grande and Galaxy Burrito all fucking day, baby. That's right. Hiroshima <laughs> Nagasaki, some of them fools, right? Just all right, saying. All right. <laughs> Now, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to leave it to Flashy underscore News 1 for his segment of the month, his mid-month review. Take it away. What a time to be alive. We are all witnessing the systematic destruction of the old guard. And unfortunately, it had to be this way. This is what was so important about what we saw with the Speaker of the House battle in Congress a couple weeks ago. It only took four days, but within those four days, people were allowed to see behind the curtain, to see how over the last couple years, how the Democrats have consolidated power into the Speakership in a way that is unconstitutional and in a way that takes away the voice of the voters that voted for the representatives to represent them in Congress. So now we are going back to how it should be, how it was meant to be, how the founders intended it to be, where each representative has a voice and a strong voice. Now every day, Speaker McCarthy is going to have to wake up and put on a conservative straitjacket. He's going to have to come to work and know that Donald Trump is pulling the strings. There's a reason why Trump endorsed McCarthy, even against his base's will and even against the other MAGA Republicans in Congress. It's because Trump has dirt on McCarthy. Enough dirt for McCarthy to turn his back on the swamp and step in on the side of the Patriots. Now we have a Speaker of the House that is beholden to 
the conservative movement to the America First movement, I wouldn't even call us conservatives or Republicans, we're patriots. And the only way to get back this country is to take it back. We have Now we have the new rules in the House that is going to give us subpoena power, immense subpoena power. This is why the deep state is in panic mode. And this is where this whole document and the Biden thing comes into play. Because now the left and the deep state and the uniparty are getting very nervous. The Republicans have the House now, so they're going to start asking some real questions and conducting some real oversight. This is what the Democrats and the deep state fears most, is actual oversight and actual accountability. So what did they do? Well, my opinion and many people, or many other people's opinion, is that people on the left, people like Obama and Clintons, set Joe up with this document hoax. Because it just all of it doesn't make sense. All of a sudden they found documents in the garage, this and that all of a sudden. So my theory is the left is done with Joe. He's now more of a liability than he is helping. Obviously, he's the worst president of our lifetime, but he served his purpose. His purpose was to be a transitional president, to move us into harder times and pretty much be the scapegoat for the blame. Now, two years have passed and they're done with them. Now, the interesting thing about this whole document hoax for Trump and then the left and the media is trying to compare the two as if they're the same. They're not. And what they're not telling you is Trump was the president. He was actually the president when he arrived at Mar-a-Lago, even on January 20th. He left, he arrived in Mar-a-Lago at 11 a.m. He was still technically the president. So, and the president has the sole power to declassify any document at any time for any reason without asking or telling anyone. He doesn't have to make an announcement. He doesn't even have to tell his chief of staff or his vice president or Congress or the media. He can just say this is declassified quietly to himself and it's declassified. The president has that power. So Trump was allowed to possess these documents that he had. And not only that, they were locked in a closet and guarded by the Secret Service and video cameras 24-7. So now Joe Biden took these documents when he was the vice president. The vice president does not have the authority or the power to declassify any documents. In that regard, they're just like any other American. What Joe did, or is what he's being accused of, really, is espionage. That is what that looks like. He took documents from the White House and placed them in an unsecure location inside of his house at, his uni- at the University of Pennsylvania in his office. Now, the interesting thing about the University of Pennsylvania, where Joe Biden has an office and a fake foundation, is that the Chinese Communist Party donated $54 million to the University of Pennsylvania exactly when Joe Biden declared he was running for president. Isn't that interesting? Oh, if that's not interesting enough, University of Pennsylvania pays Joe Biden $1 million a year for his foundation whatever it is. No one even knows what it is. So that is money laundering 101. Now, supposedly, these other documents that were found at his Delaware house, Hunter Biden has access to that house. Even in Hunter Biden's tax tax returns, he says he was paying $50,000 a month to live in that house. He was paying his father $50,000 a month. That's a lot of money for anywhere, for anybody, especially to be paying your own father. Now, come to find out, this was at the same time Hunter Biden was working for the shady Ukrainian uh, gas company Burisma. He was making $80,000 a month 
from Burisma. Let's remember that Hunter Biden does not speak Ukrainian, does not have any degrees in energy or anything like that. Okay, so he was obviously trading on his father's name, getting money from the Burisma and then money laundering it through real estate and giving it to his father. So this is the pay-for-play schemes. Now the deep state doesn't know what to do, so they're trying to get in front of the story. Now, supposedly they found these documents on November 2nd, which was before the midterm elections. They hid that story from the American people. See, the one thing the Democrats are really good at is holding vital information from their voters right before an election. Okay, but now it's all being exposed. The Republicans have the House. We have subpoena power. And there's nowhere to hide. A quick update on Brazil. The worst possible scenario is taking place. The patriots in Brazil got set up exactly the same way patriots in our country on January 6th got set up at the Capitol. They went to peacefully protest and radical leftists and deep state federal agents ran into the Capitol, trashed the place. That gave them an excuse to arrest all of the patriots. Right now there's over 2,000 Brazilian patriots in concentration camps being forced vaccinated and being forced to make confessions of crimes they actually didn't commit. Pray for Brazil. Pray for our country. Patience is a virtue, but so is persistence. Godspeed. God damn, what a segment. Flash for Flashy underscore news one. Make sure you check them out on Instagram. Now, it's Bird Hits Plane. Nope, it's Perner Radio. Big tag, what is happening? What is happening, my people? You guys know the deal. You guys know the deal. My people, they have released some of the quote-unquote easiest jobs in America that pay the most. And number one is actually controversial to me. Okay. It is being a big rig truck driver. How do you feel about that, big dog? It's a dangerous job. Hey, to say the least, big dog. Hey, I see motherfuckers. Even on dry roads, let's say they just drive, I don't know, from California to Arizona. Mm-hmm. The mental stability you have to be in, big dog. Absolutely. To, to be, I mean, just above anything else. I mean, now imagine if you have to go to, I don't know, Washington where it's snowing, crossing the Rockies where it's all these stiff going on, your air brakes going on, you have to constantly measure. I'm not saying it's rocket science. Mm-hmm. But you have to have a, a lot, a lot of dedication because you're driving a 80 ton plus vehicle that, I mean, you crash into a little car, the little car's gone. Big dog. dog, not only that, bro. The problem is that if you crash into a bunch of cars, you see that that news flash about that kid coming downhill. He missed the off ramp, the emergency brake off ramp, the one, the little sands, the little sand dunes that they have right there. So the, he missed it and he c- crashed, I think, with like 10 cars and he killed all 10 families, I think. And now he's doing like 81 81 years in, in New York. I'm not sure if it's New York or some freaking state. Like, And then you lose your license and then you might even lose your freedom for an accident. So you are in charge of not only your life and the cargo you have on you, but everybody's around you's life. So it's it's definitely, I say it should be paid what it needs to be paid, what, what is just. Okay, okay. So I've actually heard rumors. I don't know if this is true. If anybody knows that if you use those arm ramps, that there's like a fifty thousand dollar fine. Yeah, and I think you lose your license too. So I mean, what's the whole point then? Not kill people, not go to jail. I think that's probably the maximum penalty. I think. 
I mean, fuck it. I think it's a lose-lose in any type of place at that point. Word, word, word. So just don't be a driver. How about that? Either way, look, there's going to be a fluctuation of truck drivers, right? These big rig drivers. Because sooner or later, in the next 10 to 15 years, we're going to see a bunch of fucking automated Tesla trucks out there. And then this freaking uh, specific job is going to diminish. I, I think. Look, look, I think we still have a long away time from that because there's been a lot. And what I mean, a lot of people actually uh, complaining about Tesla and the automated system driving. Tesla isn't the only one, but it's the most recognized one. There's actually about five different other company vehicle companies that have introduced uh, the whole uh, automatic driving or assisted driving, however you want to put it. But Tesla is definitely in the forefront as being one of the first pioneers to really do it. I I think the second one is Lucid, right? That's another one that's freaking like catching up to Tesla with uh, electric cars. I I wouldn't say catching up. But I mean, to a certain degree, it is up there. I I just can't see it, big dog. Honestly, honestly, I mean, I can see it being. I can see uh, how do you call it? Artificial intelligence taking over stores. I can see it taking over a lot of daily routine things. But there's some degree to some factor where you still need that human touch. Yeah, absolutely. But I really, I I really do believe that. I mean, hey. Do you remember? I'm gonna cut it. You remember when we used to walk into Walmart, at least here in California, we live in LA, guys. We used to walk into Calif- uh, into Walmart and you used to see the lines be at least 30 people long at every cashier. And there was like fucking 20 human cashiers. Now there's 10 human cashiers and 20 uh, uh, automated checkouts, like self-checkouts. Like yeah. there's more automated. So the jobs, you can see that in a, in a time span, the hey, jobs hey, are getting taken over saying? by what's, a, what's the saying? Ah, oh, shit, I missed something. Fuck, I guess Walmart didn't chain me good enough. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, and Mick, we talked about this on the show too. I think McDonald's is going to be shifting into um, robotic arms, yeah. flipping, flipping the burgers. And that's fucking insane. Yeah, it is. It fucking definitely is. I mean, time progression is going. Okay, but Okay, let's give something more of a more, uh, I guess, a better paid job, which is like linemen when you work on the electricity poles, the telephone, the communication poles. That's right. How can you apply? I'm pretty sure you can. But how do you apply a robotic factor to that in this present time? I don't think you can. That's a good question. That's a real good question. You need no, you can't because the infrastructure itself is very old. It can't be fixed by a freaking Android. Or a drone, yes. No, that to that those are jobs practically also like like your job. I'm not not to say anything, but not to say like not to expose anything. But you're an exterminator, and those jobs are technically I'll only fifth. human. I played the fifth, big dog. <laughs> I played the fifth. I I do not work at so and so place with so and so people. These are all jobs that need to, need to be need to have a human touch in them, right? I'm gonna say I'm gonna say there's still gonna be a lot of human jobs that still need that quote unquote human feel that what we need to do the bravado. But I will say you're right. A lot of things are moving in a different direction, big dog. Yeah. And this was what is happening. I'm only gonna give you guys one story. Cause stay tuned. We want you guys to grab as much attention as you can on the following segment with the doctor. Woof till next time. That is right, Big Tang. Thank you for those two amazing stories. As always, doing an amazing job. Now, ladies and gentlemen, it's a pleasure of mine to introduce our next special guest, actually the very first doctor of 2023, and hopefully we have many more. Ladies and gentlemen, today's special guest is a clinical psych- psychologist, author of The Roots of the Federal Reserve and Small Business Owner. 
Her current focus is awakening people to the spiritual battle at hand in the psychological warfare of the globalist agenda. Dr. Sanger has been involved in spiritual mapping for the past 25 years. She's, a pa she's passionate about seeing individuals, people, groups, religions, and nations set free from the systems of enslavement. This led her to write her book, The Roots of the Federal Reserve, Tracing the Nephilim from Noah to the U.S. Dollar, an investigative journey through the time using spiritual mapping concepts to uncover the deep layers of defilement within our monetary system. Please give a warm welcome to Dr. Laura Sanger. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. It's a pleasure. Uh, like I told you in, um, in, um, before we started recording, it is definitely humbling and an honor to have you on our show. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much for taking time to do this. And uh, I would want to jump in. So if you allow me to set the mood and jump in from the deep end of the pool, uh, please tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, how did you start this journey and um, a little bit about your book? Okay, great. Thanks. Yeah. So as a psychologist, I never intended to write a book on the Federal Reserve. And so you know, I'm not an expert on the monetary system, but I'm one of those people who just absolutely loves to learn. And so I've got this naturally inquisitive mind. I'm constantly formulating questions in my head to research. And what I, uh, I've been involved in research actually since 1989, and I absolutely love digging in and, um, you know, researching different topics. And it began for me, the research aspect, um, when I was working at the VA Medical Center in La Jolla, California, and I was working in the Department of Psychiatry uh, researching schizophrenia, and I was hooked. I absolutely loved it. I went on to do even more research in that area. Wow. And so I bring this skill set of doing research as well as, you know, an expertise, like you said, in spiritual mapping to offer this unique perspective about the roots of the Federal Reserve. But I wanted to ask, because not many people know what spiritual mapping is. Do you do you know what that is? I do not know. I was actually waiting for you to uh, finish so I could ask you, what is spiritual mapping? So essentially what it is, is it involves, you know, looking at the physical, social, and spiritual pulse of a city, a people group, an institution, a state, you know, whatever it is, the focus of that mapping assignment is. And what we do is we look through history to uncover ancient roots of defilement, because what happens is if there's defilement on the land, you know, whether that's by bloodshed or broken covenants, for example, that actually negatively impacts the people that live in that territory, whether they know it or not. And so, mm -hmm. you know, what we want to do is we want to be able to uncover, you know, why is the land cursed? Because land can be cursed due to wicked acts that have happened on the land. And it's a little bit like, I don't know if you've ever been somewhere where you just get that creepy feeling and you you sense like this dark presence. Have you ever been anywhere like that? I feel it in my gut. A lot of the times and a lot of the times also mostly most often I feel a very positive energy when I hit different areas of the like if I go to Hollywood right now climbing or if I go um, hiking I feel a very negative energy I live in LA and I want to get out of LA every single time I leave LA or California as a whole I feel released from a negative energy I feel like an octopus of dark energy is just tangling around each and every person's life so mm -hmm. I I can I could kind of understand what you're saying I'm not very sensitive to it the veil is very it's very thick for me still but I can I can I can relate yeah yeah so 
what spiritual mapping does is it allows us to see things that go undetected by the natural eye. And so, you know, what we do is it's, it's kind of like a tool to identify the roots of the issues that are in the land. Like what is giving access to spiritual forces of darkness to rule over that territory? And for me, you know, I'm a follower of Jesus. And so I have this biblical worldview and I believe in the power of prayer. And so what spiritual mapping does is it uses prayer in conjunction with research to be able to, like I said, identify the root issues that are causing these negative, um, the negative impact on people that live in the land. And so it's kind of like this tool to set people free from bondage. Cause ultimately what we want to do with spiritual mapping is we want to inform those people who are going to go pray on the land to cleanse it so that they know how to break off the curses that are on the land and can release that full measure of blessing that God has intended. So that's kind of spiritual mapping in a nutshell. So what I did in 2014 is I wrote a spiritual mapping prayer brief on the federal reserve. And so I gathered a group of people and we prayed through like those targeted prayer strategies that I had identified. And I really thought my assignment was done. I'm one of those people. I'm a constant learner, um, student of life. And so I think in assignments and I thought really, okay, this assignment's done time to move on to the next one. But, uh, you know, the Lord just kept nudging me that I was not done. And I realized that he was asking me to write a book. And so I spent four years researching and writing the roots of the Federal Reserve. And I have, gosh, I think I have like 553 references in my book. And so I did a ton of reading, a ton of research, but I love to do that. And I, I'm one of those people who absolutely loves treasure hunts. My husband and I, you know, we, we were in youth ministry in different churches throughout our entire marriage, it seems like. And we always put together like these fun treasure hunts for youth to go do. Mm -hmm. It's because we love it. And so that's what the Lord did with me over these four years is he just laid out clue after clue for me to follow. And so what I do in the book, my research spans from the dawn of humanity to our current day. And I identify this Nephilim agenda that has defiled our monetary system and really practically every institution in our land. Mm -hmm. And so because of all the research I did, I was able to trace this agenda from the days of Noah to our current debt enslavement system we call the Federal Reserve. And that's why I'm just so grateful like that you invited me to come on your show because I love speaking to new audiences because I know that you know, since my book was published in November of 2020, I know that I'm called to raise awareness to the impact this Nephilim agenda has today. And I always take great inspiration from something Thomas Jefferson once said. He said, mm. educate and inform the whole mass of people. They're the only sure reliance of the preservation of our liberty. So thank wow. you for having me. Wow. You are welcome. Thank you for spending the time with me and your knowledge. Okay. You said a mouthful and um, (laughs) I'm going to, I'm going to take, I took bits and pieces of what you've said and we're going to highlight them right now. Nephilim. You Mm -hmm. mentioned the Nephilim. We've dropped episode on giants recently, Bigfoot paranormal activities, missing 411. And we dropped an episode on Anunnaki. So I know a little bit about the the Nephilim. Mm -hmm. The Nephilim, we have um, a theory here at Paranormal with my co-host. We think that the Nephilim are still alive. And they probably don't look like giants. They are probably infiltrated in the elites today. That's mm-hmm. what we believe. 
and they're probably uh, in uh, monarchies. Uh, that's why they they mate with with each other. Politicians. That's why they help each other. And um, the entertainment industry, mm-hmm. and also the banking industry, the cabal. Now, um, what can you tell us? I see here that there is a Nephilim agenda on your notes. What does that mean exactly? Because that we haven't spoken about. Well, first of all, I want to say I think you're spot on with with all that the way that you're tracking and thinking. Um, so as I describe the Nephilim agenda, maybe it will kind of pull some pieces together for you that maybe you haven't considered. So the Nephilim agenda was unleashed during the days of Noah. So what it is, is it's the plan to defile the human genome through the propagation of a hybrid race. And the purpose of Mm. that is really to overthrow God's kingdom. Now, when you look at the origins of this Nephilim agenda, it actually goes all the way back to the dawn of humanity. And in Genesis three, I'll read two verses Verse 14 and 15 say, so the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, you are cursed more than all cattle and more than every beast of the field on your belly, you shall go and you shall eat dust all the days of your life. I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. So this is describing the seed war that began at the dawn of humanity. So what happened is after Adam and Eve fell, after they ate of the forbidden fruit from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, God declared war between the seed of Eve, which is humanity, and the seed of Satan. One day, Eve's seed would crush Satan. And this was a prophetic declaration of the coming Messiah, Jesus. Mm. So Satan's strategy was to contaminate the seed of the woman to prevent the Messiah being born. And so he tried to contaminate that seed by altering the genetic code of humans. Now, this is where the fallen sons of God become integral in Satan's strategy. And we read about that not only in Genesis 6, but also in the extra biblical text of the book of Enoch. And we learn that these fallen sons of God, they chose to leave their heavenly abode and they invaded the earth realm by descending upon Mount Hermon. From there, they lusted after the daughters of men. They took them as wives, they mated with them, and they defiled the human genome by birthing a hybrid race of giants known as the Nephilim. Quick point, the Anunnaki talks about, they talk about um, the Anunnaki spreading their seeds and using the, the human hybrids the human hybrid race as a slave, uh, a slave manufacturing race to build their own machines and their cities. This all connects with the, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but it connects with a lot with the civil, ancient civilizations. The, mm-hmm. the Egyptians have it as well. The Egyptians have their um, beliefs in hybrid gods with the, you know, the, the, the face of a dog, et cetera, et cetera. The Greeks have it too. So it's, um, they all connect. They all come from the same root. They're all telling the same story mm-hmm. somehow, mm-hmm. some way. Proceed. I'm sorry. Yes, (laughs) absolutely. So one of the things that I did in my book is I I realized that it was important to develop a set of proposed criteria that would help advance our ability to discern the presence of Nephilim traits within individuals. And so what I did is in chapter 13 of my book, I identify four physical traits and 19 behavioral characteristics of the Nephilim and their giant offspring. Because we must not be deceived in thinking that the Nephilim only roamed the earth during the days of antiquity. There are Nephilim and Nephilim hosts alive today. Now, a Nephilim host is a term that I coined in my book. And what it represents is a human that is partnered with the spiritual forces of darkness to carry out this Nephilim agenda. 
Wow. So these would Procession. be, what's that? Possession? Um, yes and no. So, okay. um, yes, I do believe that every Nephilim host is possessed, um, but not every person struggling with demonic oppression is a Nephilim host. So okay. Nephilim host, you know, these, these would be the people that meet the proposed criteria that I set out in chapter 13. And I think, you know, most of them, these are the Titans of global governance. You know, these are mm. the global elites, like what you were talking about. These are, you know, the, they're over banking and industry and media and academia and big tech, big pharma, you know, the political establishment, mm. you see that this Nephilim agenda and the globalist agenda are serving the same end goal. And that is the total domination of humanity. It's, it's really tyranny on the grandest scale. And we see this playing out all around us right now. And so, you know, we think about Klaus Schwab, for example, you know, the World mm -hmm. Economic Forum is meeting right now in Davos and mm -hmm. Klaus Schwab is the founder of the World Economic Forum. And he's really pushing this great reset. And, you know, we've been told by the World Economic Forum that within 10 years, we will own nothing and be happy. Wow. Well, I love what the Australian Senator Alex Antic, he, his response to that is he said, you don't have to be a political philosopher to figure out that the state owns everything if you own nothing. There's a word for this. It's communism. The World Economic Forum shamelessly promotes the abolition of private property. And so this is, you know, what's busy happening is this great reset is rapidly moving us towards the end goal of the Nephilim agenda. And that is the totalitarian takeover wow. of the new world order. Mm. And we cannot be caught sleeping on this, you know, and that's why I think it's so important that every American at least understands some of the basics of our monetary system and the roots of the Federal Reserve. Okay, I have a quick question. Mm -hmm. Right before we dive into your next point you mentioned something about hybrids, right? Which means that there will be some type of DNA encoding, DNA manufacturing, altering, right? Is this why transhumanism seems to be at the front page of every mainstream, at the front page of every science uh, magazine, uh, scientist, Elon Musk? Is this why yes. decoding your DNA would I, my theory would be disconnects you from the divinity from the creator one holy infinity god which is jesus christ your creator or wh whoever you believe for, in right disconnecting you from the divinity would definitely make you an automatic it's slave of their agenda mm -hmm. do you agree absolutely so mm. at the core of the nephilim agenda really is the goal to strip us of our humanity because they hate the fact that we are created in the image of god mm. and so what they're doing is they're trying to defile our human genome and turn us into hybrids absolutely wow. and so i can dive deeper into that but i want to i want us to understand first of all like what are the basics of mm -hmm. our monetary system that we need to understand? Because the Nephilim agenda is financing or the Federal Reserve is financing the Nephilim agenda. And so it all ties together. What are the roots of the Federal Reserve? Well, I think first kind of understanding that, you know, the, the Federal Reserve is this independent agency that is made up of privately owned banks. And so the Federal Reserve is run by 
the Board of Governors, 12 regional banks, and then also the Federal Open Market Committee. Now, the president, he appoints the Board of Governors and the Senate confirms them. Um, but while you know the Federal Reserve headquarters is in Washington, D.C., it is not a federal agency. In fact, the term federal in their name really was to obfuscate the truth. And one of the former Fed chairs, his name is Alan Greenspan, you know, he was once asked, asked, what's the proper relationship between the Federal Reserve chair and the president of the United States? And he says this, he says, well, first of all, the Federal Reserve is an independent agency. And that means basically that there is no other agency of government which can overrule actions that we take. What? So he's essentially saying that there are no checks and balances on the Federal Reserve. Mm -hmm. Now, one of the things I think is really important for us all to understand is that the U.S. dollar is a fiat currency. So as of 1971, Nixon took us completely off the gold standard, which from that point forward, the U.S. dollar became a fiat currency, which means it's backed by nothing. And history proves that nations and empires that debase their currencies collapse. Fiat mm -hmm. currencies fail 100% of the time because they buckle under the weight of debt. Gold always wins. Now, more recently, in the last um, recent history, a couple hundred years, we see that there's a change in our monetary system about every 40 years. Well, we are 52 years into this fiat currency system. And, you know, I, I think that our economy is on the edge of implosion. We really need to move away from a central bank system towards something that is more tangible, backed by, you know, gold or silver or backed by different assets. Now, another thing um, to understand is that the product of the Federal Reserve is a debt note. So if you take out a dollar bill, for example, on the top, it says Federal Reserve note. Mm -hmm. Well, a note is a debt instrument. It's an IOU. So what the Federal Reserve has done is they have essentially created money or Federal Reserve notes out of thin air. And it's really just paper. In, in most circumstances, it's, it's numbers or digital numbers on a computer. And the Boston Federal Reserve Bank, they actually admit to this. And they say, when you or I write a check, there must be sufficient funds in our account to cover the check. But when the Federal Reserve writes a check, there's no bank deposit on which that check is drawn. When the Federal Reserve writes a check, it's creating money. It's just numbers on a screen. Exactly. Wow. So mm -hmm. then when you think about the term reserve, that really was a sleight of hand because they didn't have reserves by which they lent out money. So the Federal Reserve creates money out of thin air. Now, another aspect to understand is that the same year the Federal Reserve Act was passed in 1913, Congress ratified the 16th Amendment of the Constitution, and that allowed them to impose income tax. Well, income tax is to pay for the interest on the dollar bills borrowed from the Federal Reserve. So each time our government sends billions of dollars to other countries, we Americans are on the hook to pay that bill. Wow. I'm reading it right now. Are you? Yeah, yeah. That is insane, dude. And a lot of Americans, I didn't know this. I knew that the that we had to pay interest on borrowed money that was created out of thin air. I knew that, but I didn't know it was part of 
It was an amendment on the Constitution. The 16th. Wow, that's insane. I'm going to post that on the description of the show. Yeah. <laughs> Blew my mind. So then okay. another thing that people don't understand, too, about our banking system is that it's built on a house of cards called fractional reserve banking. So what fractional reserve banking is, it's the practice of holding only a portion of deposits within reserves because they they believe, you know, it's built on this notion that we as depositors, we won't withdraw all our money at once at the same time. You know, we'll stagger our withdrawals. Mm -hmm. They're banking on that. So then what the Federal Reserve did is they set reserve requirements for all the banks. Most banks, that reserve requirement is 10%. So what does that mean? If I take $100 of my money and I deposit it into my bank, my bank is only required to keep $10 in reserves. So they take that $90 of my money and they loan it out to people I don't know, and they charge high interest so that they can make a lot of money. Meanwhile, they're paying me a measly less than 1% interest for the privilege of having access to my money. To your money. Wow. This is why if the, your entire block goes to the bank right now, and I've said this plenty of times on the show, and you go make a line at the bank, and you're all, you all want to take your money out at the same time, if 100 people have $100,000 each, they will give you vouchers and they'll make you come back the next day. They'll okay. close down the bank. That's called putting a run at the bank because you cannot. They don't have the money, first of all. Physically, they don't have it. They just have numbers on the screen. And then second, um, they're not allowed to give you that your entire money. Like it's wow. Yeah, yeah. it's just, you know, it's another way that the banking system exploits us. And it's because greed is a powerful driving force, you know, that mm -hmm. compels bankers and investors to engage in what's called moral hazards. And that's what we saw in the Great Recession of 2008. You know, the, mm -hmm. the, these risky investments were so enticing because of the dollar signs attached to them that they didn't engage in sound investment decisions. And so these too big to fail banks, they knew that if they teetered on the edge of insolvency, the Federal Reserve would rescue them. Hmm. So then what happened is, you know, the normal checks and balances of accounting systems, that went out the door and they developed what's called shadow banking system. And they had these off balance sheet accounting practices. Then on top of that, you had these hotshot Wall Street investors, you know, that created new streams of cash flow and they exploited the lower standards in the mortgage lending industry that was set into motion during the Clinton presidency. Mm -hmm. So the shadow banking system created the derivatives market, which is yet another tool of obfuscation. And, you know, you think about who was king of the derivatives market back then? It was J.P. Morgan Chase. Hmm. So if you look at, um, there's a fourth quarter report from 2007 from the Office of the Comptroller of Currency, and it shows that J.P. Morgan Chase was leveraged 64 to one in the derivatives market, which means that for every dollar they had as an asset, they were in debt $64 tied to derivatives purchases. Oh, wait, wait, and okay. so derivatives market is fractional reserve banking on crack. It is endemic in our banking system. And so when the massive bubble burst in 2008, you know, that triggered the worst economic downturn since the Great Depression. 
Well, the Federal Reserve responded by stepping in as lender of first resort. They're supposed to be lender of last resort, but they stepped in and they awarded these massive bailouts at near 0% interest to the very banks that engaged in the moral hazards to begin with. So here you have, you know, the Federal Reserve, they're they're willing to lend freely, and then they buy up all the junk investments that Wall Street wouldn't touch at that point in time. Well, that communicates to the too big to fail banks that they can continue in their reckless behavior and the Federal Reserve will just bail them out so they won't mm -hmm. have to face the consequences. Mm -hmm. So is it any wonder that the too big to fail banks haven't changed their practices? So I've looked at the most recent a uh, report from the Office of the Comptroller of Currency, and it's from mm -hmm. second quarter of 2022. And it shows that the banks have not changed their practices. Goldman Sachs is leveraged right now 99 to one in the derivatives market. Okay. So let me put that in perspective. Lehman Brothers, when they were deemed insolvent in 2008, you know, they were forced to close their doors, 25,000 employees lost their jobs they were only leveraged five to one. Goldman Sachs being leveraged 99 to one right now in derivatives means that this reckless behavior really could trigger an implosion in the global economy. And so I share all this because that's the backdrop to understanding our monetary system. And, you know, it's clear that the central banking system is really not for our benefit. And we have to ask why. And that's what ties into the roots of the Federal Reserve. It's going all the way back and uncovering like what, where did this come from? What, what is feeding this system of enslavement? And that's what I do in my book. But I wanted to pause there in case you had more to share. No, actually, um, I'm looking through your, thank you for teaching us on what the Federal Reserve is. I knew very little and I know a lot more thanks to you today. And um there's a lot of there's a lot of reason behind why in elementary school and high school they don't teach you teach you economics. There's a reason why when somebody goes get a job and lives uh lives check to check, they forcefully give you direct deposit. They want to control your money mm -hmm. at every aspect from the moment you start making it, from the moment they tax you, from the moment you receive it, and now from the moment that you start spending it. They give it to you in a prepaid card. They need know exactly how much money is going into your uh, checkings account and how much you put into your savings account. Again, just money uh, numbers on the screen. They control every aspect of the movement of your money from the way little bottom, for example, myself, all the way to the top um, until it gets to them. And the money never goes up. For example, what happened uh, with 2020, the, the, the government gave out stimulus, stimulus, stimulus. Where do you think all that money went back to? All that money went back to the bankers. That money went back directly to the top 1%. It never stayed with us. People doesn't. People do not know how to spend. Sorry, I'm, sorry, I'm shouting and screaming. But they don't know how to spend the money. Like the money would come and they'll spend it at Starbucks or, or, or groceries. They will never know how to spend those $1,500, $1,800. And that money would loop ricochet right back into the pockets of the big bankers when it was created out of thin air from the federal reserve mm -hmm. it's it's insane it's insane okay what else can you tell us how does how does the the nephilim connect to the federal reserve so yeah and that's that's where the roots of the federal reserve really connect the dots so 
you know, one of the things that I did in my book is I perform what I like to call an archaeological dig on language. And so I looked at the embedded meaning in the original language of the words. And I also looked at the context in which scripture was written, extra biblical mm. manuscripts and ancient documents. And yeah. that's where I had so much fun because I'm total book nerd. I love going back to the original source and finding mm. these ancient documents. But, you know, what I discovered- A bit of a historian. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. What I discovered in kind of digging into the etymology of these words, it's a little bit like, you know, looking through a telescope of vocabulary to reconstruct these ancient events. Mm -hmm. And I was able to really unearth these treasures that have been hidden in the sands of misinterpretation. Mm -hmm. So what I did in my book in the Roots of the Federal Reserve is I go back to, okay, just like the title says, what are the roots what is feeding this system of enslavement that we are now, um, you know, enslaved by? Mm -hmm. And the roots actually go all the way back to Genesis 3.13. And it says, and the Lord God said to the woman, what is this you have done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. Now you read that in the English, there's absolutely no connection to the Federal Reserve when you mm -hmm. read that passage. Mm -hmm. But this is one of the things that I absolutely love about the word of God is you dig and you find treasures. Like the more you dig, the more you find. And it's an, it, uh, it's an unending treasure chest. Mm -hmm. So for me, like I said, I dig, I dug into the etymology. So this passage is in the old Testament, which is written in Hebrew. Mm -hmm. So if you look at the Hebrew word for serpent in this passage, it's Nakash and Nakash okay. means serpent because of its hissing. And it comes from a root word that means divination, hiss, whisper, a magic spell, an enchanter. Okay. So when okay. you consider this, you realize that it's plausible that this serpent, Satan, you know, came, appeared to Eve in this appealing manner, you know, masquerading as this angel of light while whispering magic spells over her. So in essence, Satan engaged in witchcraft to manipulate Eve to walk in rebellion. Mm -hmm. And when she ate of the fruit, the forbidden fruit, you know, the father is responding to her and that's what this passage is. But then another word in this passage is the word deceived. And that in the Hebrew is nashah. And it means not only to deceive, it means to beguile, to mentally delude, morally seduce, to impose and to cause to go astray. And that's all according to what's called the Strong's Concordance. Mm -hmm. But if we use a Hebrew and English lexicon known as Brown Driver Briggs, mm -hmm. it defines nasha as lending on interest or usury to make someone a creditor, to become a creditor. Wow. I wow, know. dude. <laughs> the foul play, the word play of English. This is, you know, I've always been awakened to the idea of language playing tricks on us. Everything that that's why spelling is called spelling because you cast spells, broadcasting, podcast. You know what I'm saying? It's casting spells on people. Everything that you say. Uh, has an impact, negative or positive, without you even knowing. And it's been taught to us that way to keep us enslaved. And I've noticed, and I've told this to many of my family members, that Spanish, English, specifically English, has been rooted in the foundations of um, mysticism. Mm -hmm. I want to say witchcraft, right? And not only, not only English, but now <laughs> you're telling me the roots. Okay, 
Keep, I'm so sorry. Keep blowing up. That was a bomb. That was a bomb. That was well, great. I had a similar response when I discovered it. Like I nearly fell out of my chair. It's like, you have got to be kidding me because essentially the Hebrew word for deceive means to make someone a debtor. And that's mm-hmm. when these, these connection points started all coming together for me, because this really kind of uncovers this hidden agenda of the Federal Reserve. So when the Federal Reserve Act was passed just before Christmas in 1913, what Congress did is they deviously passed this legislation that would enslave American citizens to debt while enriching the coffers of the banking elite. So the whole Federal Reserve system is rooted in Nasha, which is deception. It's that you know, the language of the Nephilim who are the seed of Satan. Now, what happened is, you know, when Eve was beguiled by Satan and she fell into that trap of sin, the consequence was that she owed a debt, a debt that could only be paid by death. And Mm. so she was a debtor to her sin. Now, one of the books that I read, I mentioned, I read a ton of books and I'm a treasure hunt um, enthusiast. Mm -hmm. And so the experience I had in writing this book is I would, you know, I'd go into the library for another reason, like my sons needed something for a school project and my eye would catch a book and I'm like, I think I'm supposed to read that book. So I'd pick it up and I'd read it. And sometimes I'd read a book and there would be two sentences out of that entire book that Mm -hmm. I could use. Sometimes Mm -hmm. there was like chapters and chapters. Mm -hmm. But I knew I was on this treasure hunt for nuggets. Well, one of the books that had a massive nugget for me was a book called Unearthing the Lost World of the Cloud Eaters. What a title, right? Mm -hmm. And it's written by Stephen Quayle and Dr. Thomas Horn. And in a portion of their book, they were writing about the ramifications of this great deception that happened with Eve. And they say this, they say, this is the consequence of the sin of Adam and Eve in the garden a consequence that continues to bear bitter fruit in our own sin to this day. The act of rebellion against the creator's command put humanity into such debt that it could only be satisfied by the blood of Jesus Christ. But Satan was the banker who wrote the note. When I read that, I was like, all these dots began to connect. All these threads came together. Now I go into this in much greater depth in my book, but consider this. Okay. Wow. So we have been beguiled by elite banksters who have been led by the great deceiver, Satan himself. So the players involved in the creation of the federal reserve exuded Nephilim traits. You know, they were master deceivers. Mm -hmm. They were skilled at lying to the American people. You know, they pretended to have our best interest at mind all the while, they're crafting an insidious system of enslavement. They just so re-labeled the, it. Yes. Yeah. So the Federal mm-hmm. Reserve is financing the Nephilim agenda. And I want to read to you something that Congressman Lewis McFadden wrote in 1932 because he aptly describes the Federal Reserve and essentially kind of confirms what it is I'm speaking about. So he says mm-hmm. this. He says, we have in this country, one of the most corrupt institutions the world has ever known. Mm -hmm. I refer to the Federal Reserve Board and the Federal Reserve Banks. This evil institution has impoverished and ruined the people of the United States. It has done this through the defects of the law under which it operates, through the maladministration of that law by the Federal Reserve Board, and through the corrupt practices of the moneyed vultures who control it. 
Some people think that the Federal Reserve Banks are U.S. government institutions. They are not government institutions. They are private credit monopolies which prey upon the people of the United States for the benefit of themselves and their foreign customers, the foreign and domestic speculators and swindlers, and the rich and predatory moneylenders. In that dark crew of financial pirates, there are those who would cut a man's throat to get a dollar out of his pocket. At no time in our history has the general welfare of the people of the United States been on a lower level or the mind of the people so filled with despair. They are the victims of a dishonest, unscrupulous Federal Reserve Board and the Federal Reserve Banks. Their children are the new slaves of the auction block and the revival here of the institution of human slavery. Boom. Wow. So Nisha, this deception is at the root. It's the basis of our monetary system. And the Federal Reserve is built upon usury, lending with excessive interest. And the Federal Reserve's product is debt. When you think about it, King Solomon summed it up appropriately in Ecclesiastes 1.9. He says, what has been will be again. What mm. has been done will be done again. There is nothing new under the sun. I was about so, to say that. I was about to say it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it's really, it's the same root defilement stemming from the beginning of the ages. It's just mm. been renamed and repackaged to perpetuate the same deception. Whoa, my mind was going 100,000 miles an hour while you were reading that passage. Okay, Nephilim came with an agenda. You know what? Okay, before I say anything, okay, I thought for a minute that the biggest lie that Satan, the enemy has casted upon humanity was space. I'm not a flat earther. Um, I do believe in that, that, you know, the Bible has some truth to it and that we probably misinterpret it all the time. Mm -hmm. And that space and NASA, the idea of traveling to other planets is a massive lie to keep us enslaved mentally, morally, right? Keeping us living in our, in our imagination, disconnected from reality. I also believe that one of the biggest lies that the, the enemy has casted upon us is time, time itself. If you control time, you control the past, you control the future. Okay, so you only you're only told his story, the victor story, whoever won, right? And you only get told tits and bits, bits and pieces, whatever benefits the, the narrator. So at this point, I'm thinking time and space are probably the biggest lies that keep us enslaved in this globe and uh, in, in the, the Gregorian calendar. Okay, Disconnecting us from the seasons, disconnecting us from, from the crops, disconnecting us from plants, disconnecting us from nature, disconnecting us essentially from the divine creator. Mm -hmm. And now you're telling me that the biggest lie ever told from Genesis all the way back to Eve is the Federal Reserve money. Dude, the roots of all evil is money. <laughs> I am blown away, dude. I'm blown away. That uh, that is amazing. Okay, okay. I have a question. There is nothing new under the sun. There re these are Nephilim, and their ancestors. These are these are fourth, fifth generation Nephilim. They're they're blood related to the original Nephilim that have been trickled down. That have the same agenda. That have now introduced the same place of the playbook, repackaged, reintroduced, relabeled. 
to us as we are dumbing down and just asking them to get beaten down, asking them to be enslaved, asking us. I'm sorry. Give me one moment here. Uh, can you still hear me? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Asking us to be enslaved, asking us to get uh, uh, um, to get uh, chipped. Right. Asking right. us to live in, and then this is why they seclude us into these smart cities. To it's effort because it's easier us to be controlled, to be fed their propaganda, to be using their monetary system, to be eating the food that they provide, to be eating the, the water that they give us, and then we cannot serve ourselves. We can't collect rainwater. We can't feed ourselves. We don't, I don't even know how to plant a freaking tomato plant, dude. You know, <laughs> like we are ignorant to all the things that make us humans and um and self sufficient and you know um independent. Mm-hmm. Wow, this is crazy. Yeah. I just make it a hundred million dots right now. Yeah. So what you're what you're putting together is how this Nephilim agenda impacts us today. And it goes much deeper. So I'll take us even a little bit deeper. Wow. Okay. When you think about, so right now, uh, as I mentioned, the World Economic Forum is gathering in Davos and mm-hmm. they're going to have their next summit. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, the Federal Reserve is working in conjunction with the World Economic Forum to use the fourth industrial revolution to advance the Nephilim agenda today. So Speed with the fourth, the fourth industrial revolution is essentially, you know, this convergence of advances in biotechnology and information technology. And this is what Klaus Schwab says. He says the fourth industrial revolution doesn't change what you are doing, it changes you. If you take genetic editing as an example, it is Hmm. you that is changed. And of course, this has a big impact on your identity. Okay, so right there, this is the Nephilim agenda, changing our DNA, changing our genetic makeup. It's in the blood, yep. Yeah, and so what the fourth industrial revolution is, it's this fusion between our biological identity, our physical identity, and our digital identity. What they're doing is it's like merging big tech data, AI, quantum computing, genetics, nano nanobots, and um, you know robotics. And so, what that leads us to is really this existential crisis of the highest order, and that is: Will humans continue to exist in the near future? Well, if you ask. No, Yoval Noah Harari, who is an advisor to Klaus Schwab, he would say no. And he writes this. He says, we are probably one of the last generations of homo sapiens. Within a century or two, Earth will be dominated by entities that are more different from us than we are different from Neanderthals or chimpanzees. Because in the coming generations, we will learn how to engineer bodies, brains, and minds. This will be the product of the 21st century economy, not vehicles, textiles, and weapons, Uh but bodies, brains, and minds. Those who control the data control the future of not just humanity, but of life itself. Mm -hmm. Because today, data is the most important asset of our time. Boom. Yes. So here we have, you know, when Harari is talking about the product of the 21st century being bodies, brains, and minds. What he's referring to in part are human brain organoids. So a brain organoid is an artificial organ created in vitro to resemble a brain. And it originates from embryonic stem cells. Now, as of right now, these human brain organoids do not have a vascular system. So without blood flowing to them, they're limited in size and viability. 
but it won't take long for technology to get to the point where they do have a vascular system, in which point they can become much larger and more mature brain organoids. Mm -hmm. One of the things that we do know is right now scientists are creating portions of a brain and uh, you know, inserting those into mice and into those neurodegenerative areas within mice. So they're transplanting these synthetic brain sections into mice. It's not long before they'll do that with humans. And mm. so what we see is just like you were pointing out earlier that Nephilim hosts are advancing the transhumanism agenda because like I said, they wanna replace humans. Uh -huh. And if they're successful in turning us into hybrids that could interfere with our ability to commune with our creator. And the speed at which they're advancing is you know, alarming. And so I wanna give some examples of some of what they're doing. So in 2010, a geneticist named Craig Ventner, he mm -hmm. created synthetic life forms through bioengineering a cell. Mm -hmm. And his, uh, his critics accuse him of playing God. And they warn us that, you know, these artificial organisms could be used as biological weapons. Mm -hmm. This makes me think, was this some of the technology used in the COVID-19 bioweapon? Um, if you allow me to inject, mm -hmm. uh, I'm not as knowledgeable as you are, but I do know that parts of the Bible are, cre are were written in Latin, Hebrew, and in Greek. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the times they get misconstrued and misinterpreted into our present languages. Mm -hmm. And I also know that in a part of the Bible, I think it's Revelations, they speak about us getting chipped and that it's a physical chip, allegedly, into our right arm or to our forehead. And only with the chip, we're going to be able to purchase stuff, right? Mm -hmm. But um, I was listening to this, uh, to this pastor, and I'm not religious, but I like, I like data, I like information, and I like different points of views because I'm open-minded, right? Mm -hmm. I listened to this pastor talking about, talking about um, Spanish-speaking uh, pastor, and he was telling us how the Bible has been misinterpreted by other ministries, which is why there's so many doctrines, and also that um, when in Hebrew, it doesn't say into the right arm. In Hebrew, it means into the blood system, into your into your nerve system, into your mm -hmm. body, not yeah. necessarily your, your right arm. It gets translated into right arm because they don't know how to pronounce or say or define mm -hmm. certain words because they're more complex and our language is so you know small. So then our vocabulary. So then it actually means into your blood, into your bloodstream, which is the only connection to the divine God, the creator. And another thing, one drop of blood contains hundreds of terabytes of information, not mm. only from your ancestors, but your, your, who you are, your, your nature, your, your, your Genesis. Right. Mm -hmm. So you connecting that dot right now, just blew my mind. And I've said this once or twice on the show before, and a lot of people are very skeptic to it. They, they think, Oh no, what the Bible is actually very literal. And, um, they, they forget that, the. Um, the roots of the Bible are in languages that we cannot comprehend or even speak right. like Latin. I think you can only read and, and write Latin. You can't speak it. So those are different. Those are things that you need to um, fathom, right? You need to put them in into context. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah so to interrupt you. No, I love it because what you just discovered is the treasures that lie in scripture. If we dig, 
Like we can, we can glean a lot just by reading it on the surface, but man, when we start studying it and going to the original language, like you're saying, mm -hmm. and looking at the meaning, it just uncovers a whole new level of understanding. And that's what I love about it. Mm -hmm. So thank you for sharing that. I'm going to go research what you just said, because yes, that fascinates me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, <laughs> it's, um, I, I think it's, I'm not sure if it's Revelations, but um, if you, it you is get in chipped, Revelation and it's, mm -hmm. it's the mark of the beast. And, and yes. it does our English translation does talk about it in the right arm or the forehead mm -hmm. so i'm gonna go look up those um do, do those the hebrew stuff do, yeah. do that yeah I look will. it up when you find it email me and then we'll put it up on the show <laughs> that's, awesome. a, that's a great find that's a great find. yeah so going back to craig ventner's um you know his technology essentially what he did was he altered the genetic code of life and this led experts to liken his work to the development of the nuclear weapon because Craig Ventner's technology, along with CRISPR technology, which is like gene editing software, mm. together, that means that scientists can take anything and engineer it to create synthetic life. Mm -hmm. And essentially, they are attempting to usurp creator God. Now, Ventner even acknowledges that they can, you know, they have the capacity to create new organisms just by attaching additional genes, mm -hmm. uh, you know, to produce these proteins, and they can use those in vaccines. So again, I'm back to the question, is this the technology that was used in the jab? You know, then, um, I'm sorry, go, proceed. No, you go ahead. I have, um, sorry to interrupt you, because you just brought something up again in my in my mind. We just did an episode on, on the gray aliens. And I know a lot of people are skeptic to aliens as well, but we have to bring these shows and bring the information, uh, you know, forward. Okay. The gray aliens, allegedly, they come down and they probe us because they cannot produce themselves. They cannot reproduce. They can't, um, they can't have babies, okay, without our genome, without our genes, without our sperm, without our um, organs, right? Mm -hmm. So they can't do this. And the entertainment industry puts this out as aliens or I want to say movies and everything. They give us breadcrumbs of truth to what the future will be. And maybe I'm reaching here. The, tr the truth of what the, the future will be with human beings. We will we don't need to um, have sex anymore to reproduce. We won't have to, uh, you know, interchange our fluids to reproduce there's going to be an AI, which is probably the biggest threat to humankind right now, mm -hmm. that will be able to reproduce us and use us as batteries, like the movie Matrix. I'm, I'm reaching here, right? But again, bringing it back to the grace, the grace cannot reproduce, which is why they probe us. Mm -hmm. And sooner or later, we're going to be playing God and we won't be able to reproduce like we do now. And they're going to be able to control the amount of people that there is on Earth to be able to use us as batteries and not only use us, but also manipulate us or even control us or keep us in a sleeping state. Mm -hmm. um so just connections that i that are you, that you just brought into my mind <laughs> yeah yeah well you know you're speaking about ai and there really is you know this rapid advancement of ai and nanotechnology to the point where you know scientists are attempting to create this global super brain through the use of nanobots and so this ties into what you're what you're talking about so in 2019 there is these scientists from the human brain cloud interface project mm -hmm. and they say that nanobots would be able to navigate the human vascular cross the blood brain barrier and auto position themselves precisely within and among brain cells and then once they're there they would then wirelessly transmit encoded information to and from these cloud-based supercomputer mm -hmm. networks for real-time brain state monitoring and data extracting. 
And so what these scientists are doing is they want to connect a network of human brains with the AI to form a hive mind. And this is the ultimate in mind control technology. Now, how Nephilim hosts can do that, one way at least, is through graphene oxide. Now, graphene oxide is this amazing substance. You know, graphene is, and it's it's a single layer of carbon that's mm -hmm. one atom thick, yet it's 200 times stronger than steel and a thousand times more conductive than copper. Wow. And so graphene, you know, it has this physically flexible um, property to it. And because it's ultra thin, it's an excellent candidate for biomedical advances, such as drug delivery and tissue engineering, neurowires and brain implants. Mm -hmm. So what graphene oxide, you know, they've been able to put it not only in the jab, but they've been able to put it in other pharmaceuticals. Scientists have figured out how to get it into our food. And huh. also it can be aerosolized. So there's all sorts of ways that graphene oxide can be ingested into our bodies. Wow. Once it's inside of us, it becomes toxic when it's activated by electromagnetic frequencies, such as 5G, oh microwaves, radio waves. Yes. So what graphene oxide is, let me describe it just a little bit more because it, um, I, hopefully this will connect some dots and I do have some good news for your listeners. Okay. <laughs> so hang in there with me. Mm -hmm. So graphene oxide is considered a neuromorphic memristor. Now those are some big words. So let me kind of break that down a little bit. Essentially what it means is it's like a, a memory transistor. So neuromorphic means that graphene oxide can actually self-assemble to form these nanowires that act like brain synapses. And it's essentially like having a nanobot or a nano-sized robot in your brain. And then a memristor means that it can both save and process information as well as receive numerous signals. So it has the capacity to learn. Well, in the last two years, scientists have discovered that graphene oxide can cross penetrate the blood brain barrier. Wow. And because it has this capability of assembling to form nanowires that act as a memristor, essentially what graphene oxide can do is embed thoughts into our brains. And this is the ultimate in mind control technology. Now, here's the good news. The good news is that there's ways that we can detox our bodies from graphene oxide. And I want to provide some of this for folks. So essentially glutathione is really important in detoxing from graphene oxide and glutathione is naturally produced by our liver and it consists of amino acids, glycine, cysteine, and glutamic acid. And glutathione is really important in building a strong immune system because, you know, it's involved in tissue repair and tissue building. Mm -hmm. So when we have high levels of glutathione in our bodies, we have a strong immune system. Mm -hmm. But when we have graphene oxide that's, you know, activated by EMFs and that overruns our body and exceeds the level of glutathione, then you have, it, it triggers a collapse in your immune system. Ah. So there are some supplements that we can take. I take these that, you know, help support the production of glutathione in our bodies. And this is a way that we can combat the effects of graphene oxide if we do have graphene oxide in this. So these supplements are N-acetylcysteine or NAC, 
vitamin C, vitamin E, curcumin, and selenium. And then there's supplements that we can take that also help in detoxing from graphene oxide. And those are vitamin D3, zinc, pine needle tea, quercetin, and then activated charcoal. So these are ways that, you know, on the level of our body, we can combat this mind control of the Nephilim host through graphene oxide, but we're trying beans. We're made up of body, soul, and spirit. And so I do also want to provide just a way to equip us to combat it both on, on our soul and our spirit level. But did you have any thoughts? Yeah. Prince said once the next war there's a war happening, which is, I think, World War Three, And he said, and I think this is why he got clipped. He got outed. Um, there's a war happening in your mind. Mm -hmm. And it's fought in your mind. It's no boots in the ground. And, uh, and the, 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 the trophy would be your soul. Mm. I'm not sure if those are his exact words. I'm uh, improvising here. But um, it makes so much sense that the war is happening in your mind with data, with AI. This is mind-blowing research. It's, it's intense. Um, we're coming here at the time to close the show, but I want to give you the opportunity to finish your thought and then share to our listeners where they can find more information, more about you and um, ultimately your book so they can okay. purchase it and learn more about the Federal Reserve and the roots of it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I want to encourage people that no matter how dark, you know, the, the caverns of mind control are, there's always a way out. And, you know, our creator, he created our brain with the capacity for neuroplasticity, which means, you know, our brains are malleable and adaptable. Mm. And we actually read about this in Romans 12 too. You know, it says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good and pleasing, perfect will. So in looking at the Greek, because this is the New Testament, the Greek word for renew is anakinosis. And it means not only renew, but it means renovation. It means a complete change for the better. And it comes from a root word, anakino, which means to cause to grow up to make new, to be changed into a new kind of life as opposed to the former corrupt self. So I absolutely love that because that's hopeful that we can renew our minds day by day. And we have to keep in mind, again, what I said earlier is that this Nephilim agenda, you know, their goal is to strip us of our humanity. And in order for Nephilim hosts to hijack our bodies and turn us into hybrids, they have to hijack our mind first. Just like you're saying, we're in an unconventional war and it's a war on our mind. Mm. And so, you know, one of the things that is the most powerful driver of mind control is fear. That's the top one. And I think, you know, looking at the last three years, fear incapacitated so many people. And of course, the mainstream media, you know, this propaganda machine that it is, it realizes that a constant flow of fear-based stories will keep the masses stuck in their primitive brain where they can't, mm -hmm. they can't access rational thought, you know, because fear originates from our amygdala. And, you know, that's the part of the brain that's known as the hind brain, the primitive brain or the reptilian brain. 
So when we're fearful, our ability to process nuanced information is impaired, and we're more likely just to blindly follow others rather than use critical thinking skills. With instinct, yeah. Yeah, and so when we live in this state of prolonged fear, not only does it weaken our immune system, but it causes us to have irrational thinking. And our creator knows this about us. And that's why in the Old Testament, he warns us 52 times to fear not. And one of the my most favorite passages um, in the last three years, at least, is 2 Timothy 1.7. And it says, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Well, we cannot have a sound mind if we live in fear. And so we have to resist fear because fear drags us down to where all those lies are swirling and we get caught in the deception we're easier manipulatable as well absolutely Mm -hmm. and so you know remember that deception it's the language of the nephilim the seed of satan and one of the things i love is that first john 4 18 actually gives us a clue of how we resist fear Mm -hmm. and it says there is no fear in love but perfect love casts out fear And so the first step in resisting and overcoming fear is drawing near to the one who has perfect love. And that's Jesus. It's because love overcomes fear. And there's fascinating research on all of this, but I'll just, I'll end with this. Um, The HeartMath Institute, they have discovered that the magnetic field produced by our heart is more than 100 times stronger than the Mm -hmm. magnetic field produced by our brain. So what that means is when we exude heartfelt emotions like love, compassion, empathy, gratitude, we literally can shift the atmosphere wherever we go. So we can drive fear right out of a room if we walk and exude that love. So I'll just end there. And people can find me um, on the best place is to start with my website, which is called nolongerenslaved.com. Mm-hmm. And my book is available, The Roots of the Federal Reserve. It's available on Amazon, Barnes and Noble. You can buy it from my website as well. Mm-hmm. I do have um, a YouTube channel and a Rumble channel. So if your listeners want to go a little bit deeper in understanding the impact of the Nephilim agenda today, I did a 10-part series on that. Mm-hmm. Um, and my my channel is called No Longer Enslaved. And then lastly, I am on Instagram and Telegram under Laura Sanger 444 Hertz. I'll make sure to spread your Telegram on the description. Send me an email with all the, the, the links to the Telegram and to your Rumble. I didn't know you had a Rumble. So mm-hmm. all the channels you could possibly give me, the more the mer- merrier. That is right. And with that, we come to a conclusion of this amazing show with Dr. Lauren Sagner. So make sure you cough up her book, The Route to the Federal Reserve, Tracing the Nephilim from Noah to the U.S. Dollar on 20, for $24.99 on Amazon or $10 for our digital listeners. Ladies and gentlemen, all the links to her channels are going to be on the description of this amazing episode. And if you can't find them there, you could always find them at ParanoidRadio.com under special guests and links. Make sure you stay tuned for next episode here at Paranoid Radio Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us and thank you doctor for sharing your knowledge.